All views expressed on the Spielman and Hooley We Tackle Life podcast are those of the hosts and should not be construed as an endorsement of the views expressed by employers or sponsors of the We Tackle Life podcast. Previously on the Spielman and Hooley We Tackle Life podcast... Then I tripped on something on the steps and go fall down the steps oh. in my garage. Oh, Coffee spills all over the weight room, which ticks me off more than anything. Of course. Power so, ground in the weight room. Yes. So <laughs> going out to, to throw, take the rug out that it, it spilled on, there was something outside the garage. I tripped over that. I didn't fall. That is, of course, the same open uh, that we had on Wednesday's We Tackle Life podcast. I didn't change it because, hey, my man is traveling today. He's on his way up to Cleveland for the Browns and the Washington football team. I was told that uh, I made six references to the Redskins, team formerly known as Washington Redskins. On Wednesday's podcast, I hope that didn't offend anyone, um, but, you know, that's stuck in my brain there, so... That'll be Spiel's challenge on Sunday when the Browns and the Washington football team play at First Energy Stadium. It's my challenge today, and we'll be joined on the podcast with Spiel's en route to the 216 by Dustin Fox, former Buckeye, 92.3, the fan host in Cleveland, and ESPN analyst. Dustin used to be on the Browns postgame. He's now doing a, a bigger, beefier ESPN schedule. And speaking of, that'll get bigger and beefier, your college football weekend offerings this weekend. With the start of SEC football, there's some good games in the SEC, some intriguing coaching matchups in the SEC, and uh, going to be a challenge for the LSU Tigers, not just on the field, but on the sideline. I will explain that as we progress. Thanks for joining us on a Friday edition of the We Tackle Life podcast. Appreciate that very much. You can watch us on Facebook. You can watch us on uh, YouTube, on the Spielman and Hooley channel. You can watch us. I guess you can watch us on you can watch us on Twitter, but you're watching via Periscope. So uh, many different ways to watch the Spielman and Hooley podcast. Many different ways to plug into the Spielman and Hooley podcast. Today's the day we draw four names for two hundred and fifty dollars checks of COVID nineteen relief, courtesy of Chris's generosity and the call on his heart to give away forty thousand dollars this uh, this calendar year. We'll probably wrap that up in late January, but get those nominations in. We had fresh nominations in this week. We'll see if people who nominated this week, win this week. But you'll hear from uh, Carrie Spielman today if you are a winner. And we certainly wish all of you well, not just in the drawing, but uh, well as you try to recover from the economic hardships, perhaps physical hardships, medical hardships of COVID-19. Good news, the Pac-12 is going to start playing football. I mean, if you've been waiting on riveting matchups in the Pac-12, your wait is uh, soon to be over, although not as soon as the Big Ten wait. We are still a couple weeks out from the Buckeyes starting the season October the 24th at home against Nebraska. You'll wait two weeks longer. Yeah, two weeks longer on the Pac-12, which they'll get underway on December, uh, on uh, November 6th. They'll play a seven-game schedule. They also will wrap up their season before the college football playoff bursts go out on December the 20th. So I don't know that there's a ton of relevance with the Pac-12 playing, although hey, maybe we'll get that Oregon-Ohio State game. After all, we were supposed to get it on September the 12th in Eugene. We definitely won't get it in Eugene because if those two teams would meet, they'd meet in the college football playoff. But uh, by the end of this, uh, you know, 
Slow ramp up to college football. SEC starting this week. Big Ten starting the 24th of October. Pac-12 starting November the 6th. Mountain West also voting to go. Uh, We're going to get just about everybody, and today we may even get the Mac. We may even get the Mac playing. I don't know. The Mac had to spring all to themselves uh, as these leagues started to ramp up. But maybe the Mac will opt to play, you know, a six-game season this fall. Our next guest, our first guest, the only guest that I reached out to, may be able to lend a little uh, uh, clarity to that. He is former Buckeye Dustin Fox. Good morning, my friend. How are you all the way from the North Shore of the state of Ohio? Uh, good morning, Bruce. How are you, buddy? I'm doing well. Man, you got the sleeve going there. How long? It's been years since I've seen you. We talk periodically. We text pretty regularly. That's an impressive sleeve, my friend. I got uh, just a little half sleeve on both sides. Very good. Very good. Outstanding. Uh, good to see you. Thanks for joining us here early in the morning. I know you're an early in the morning up and Adam type of a guy. We got the Browns and the Washington football team this week. Has it been a struggle for you all week to go uh, red skin free on your mentions yeah. of the Washington football team? <laughs> uh, even Spiels, who joined us on our show earlier in the week, uh, dropped the, the R word at one point. Yeah. That's a fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is a fine. I was told I dropped it six times on Wednesday. I'm not as vigilant in policing myself because no, I know it's I know. political. Been, it's political correctness, I, I, and I probably at least five times a show have said said Redskins, and it'll take some time to get used to until they get the new name. Yeah, it will. Hey, uh, this matchup, uh, Jedrick Wills, Browns' number one pick, uh, you know, right tackle at Georgia now, left tackle for the Browns against Chase Young. To me, that's uh, the most compelling matchup in this one, aside from the fact that, you know, offense, defense, and who wins the game. But, man, the Chase Young-Jedrick Wills matchup, that's going to be fun to watch. Well, I I think not just that matchup specifically. I think the entire defensive front of Washington is going to be a challenge for for Cleveland this week. You know, they didn't really have um, much of a a challenge last week. I thought the O-line did a really good job against Mm -hmm. Cincinnati. But, I mean, you've got, what, uh, five uh, former first-round picks on that defensive front. It's certainly the strength of their defense, and they're led by Chase Young, who, again, has got, tw- I think, two and a half sacks yep. already on the season. Yep. So he's off to a pretty pretty good start. And you're right, that rookie, you know, making that transition from uh, right tackle to left tackle, he's done pretty good. I mean, by all accounts, I- I've heard from inside the building, they really love the transition that he's made. Um, and, you know, that's, that's, that's a huge key. I mean, listen, last year for Baker – they didn't have a lot of protection for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he was scared at times. Maybe scared is not the right word, but he was certainly seeing some ghosts at yeah. times when he was getting a lot of pressure. So, um, yeah, that's that's going to be the key for this game because, uh, listen, Washington does not have a great secondary. They don't have a great linebacking core. Same with Cleveland. I think both both defenses are not very good, but they both, both do have strong defensive fronts. Well, the Browns secondary's been hurt. Uh, they're getting Greedy Williams back, I think. What about Denzel Ward? I saw he had a hamstring or something. I mean, he did a great job against A.J. Green. Is Denzel Ward good to go? Is he one of those listed as injured but likely to play? Or what can you tell us about the former Buckeye? I, I don't know. I mean, I know he's, he was limited. Um, so we'll, we'll find out probably more today. I mean, a Friday practice kind of indicates a little bit more as to you know what guy's availability is going to be on Sunday. So we'll know more today. But if he can't play, that's huge. I mean, yeah. he was fantastic last week against uh, A.J. Green. Bring me up to speed. Bring our listeners up to speed on what you're doing. I mean, obviously, people uh, you know, remember you as a cornerback, starting cornerback on the 2002 National Championship team. You carved out a great career for yourself at 92.3 in Cleveland. You've been doing that. Am I? Are you like seven years, eight years in? And, man, your shift uh, is – Try five. year 10. Try year 10. Year 10. 
Yes. Man, that's an eternity in radio, dude. That's amazing. Yeah. 10 years, five, uh, 10 years, 2 p.m. to 7 p.m. Yeah, it's, that's it's a, a grind. Marathon. It's an absolute marathon. I, I honestly, the, the day I did my first show back in 2011, uh, couldn't believe how long it was. And I'm thinking, <laughs> this is just five hours like the first day, right? Like we're like launching the station. So we're doing this whole thing. Yeah. Like, no, that's every day, every oh. day. And I'll be honest with you, man, as we've gone through this throughout the years, um, it every day's a grind. Yeah. I mean, every single day, Bull and I will text each other at like six o'clock, like, man, let's get to the finish line. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you mentioned texting your partner, Adam the Bull. Are you guys doing it remotely now because of COVID? Or are you doing it from home? Uh, we are. I, in fact, this is this is where I sit every day. Okay. Headset on. Okay. And I got my comrex right next to me, and I just kind of we knock it out. It's pretty easy. Well, that's we, good for you. I mean, that takes a ton of travel time off for you. Yeah, it does. Um, I'm living in Akron now, so it's it's still about a half hour to yeah. get downtown. So it's still, I mean, that's an hour a day of travel. So uh, no, it's great. I mean, honestly, with the with the way the COVID has been. It's been super convenient for me. You know, I've been able to spend a lot more time with my kids, certainly this summer. Yeah. Having them around a ton. And then, and, um, you know, with uh, college football now ramping back up, it, it's been great to, you know, get back on the road a little bit. And certainly when I travel, I take my Comrex unit with me and, and I'll host the show remotely. And mm-hmm. you wouldn't know that I'm not sitting in my living room. We're sitting in a studio, frankly, because it sounds that good. Yeah. So technology's there and we're taking advantage of it. Do you think you're going to continue to do that uh, for convenience sake and uh, for your importance to the station? I mean, uh, you've gotten to a point in your career where, uh, you know, they need, they, 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 they understand uh, that your value to the station. And I would think anything that makes it possible for you to do that and uh, make your life more convenient, more pleasant. I would be about that if I'm in management, but I come from the talent perspective on it. Uh, Yeah. Well, listen, I I think we're definitely going to be at home. Uh, probably until January mm-hmm. <clears throat> at minimum, I'm guessing, unless something changes. But um, I, I'm gl- I'm grateful for management. They've been fantastic with us throughout everything. They've, you know, <laughs> they've extended my contracts, you know, throughout the pandemic. So I'm happy about that. Intercom has been great to us. I mean, uh, allowing us to have this equipment, you know, to have at our homes. It's not not cheap, by the way. To no, to have it's it. not. So, um, no, they've been they've been great. Um, We'll, uh, we'll see what happens in the future, but it's the fact like, you know, Bull and I during college football season, we always work remotely because I'm, I'm, well, he'll be in studio or I'd be on the road, right? right. Doing a college game on a Friday, like hosting from my, my hotel room or, or what have you. And the fact that we have built up that chemistry doing those for the last five years or so has allowed us to kind of seamlessly go into this um, COVID situation with the remote situation. Uh, and we don't miss a beat. I mean, right. we, we honestly, we could do the show like this for the rest of our lives if we had to, and, and it would be weird, um, but we could do it easily. Yeah. I mean, you do get to the point where you're talking to a buddy, like you're talking to a buddy on the phone right. and, it, right. and it doesn't, people don't notice it on the air. You have uh, also carved out a really nice career for yourself. You're an up and comer at ESPN and, and that's not just me talking because our friends, that's a lot of people in the industry yeah. who evaluate announcers. They've said really kind things about you. And I know you're excited about getting a bigger role at ESPN this year. Tell people what you've been doing and, and yeah. what, what you have on your radar in coming weeks. So I, you know, I, I started out back in 2013. I was doing my first ever college football game. My agent had uh, known somebody at ESPN, and, and they got me an opportunity to do a, a digital game on ESPN three. It was mm-hmm. not a, mm-hmm. a high priority game. It was New Hampshire at Central Michigan, and I tell you what, it felt like the Super Bowl for me yeah. because I'd never done a game before. Getting a chance to be to be in the broadcast booth, 
um, studying the preparation, the travel, like just kind of feeling out how this, you know, industry works. I mean, it was all new to me. I mean, I've, I've been in radio for two years at the time, two and a half years. And then going into the broadcast booth was for me, the closest thing that I could have to playing football again, because I was around the game. I was talking to coaches, talking to players, <clears throat> watching game film again, mm -hmm. taking notes, preparing my boards, doing all these things, calling people. And it was a seriously like, like an adrenaline rush and I couldn't get enough of it. And that season they ended up giving it was like a trial run. They gave me like one game. And then all of a sudden, like a couple weeks later, they gave me another game and I ended up doing, I think seven games that year. It was all like mid American conference games and they, they liked me. So then the, the next season I did another, you know, 15 games, mm -hmm. all Mac games or whatever it was, 14 games, something like that. And then I just continued to just try and, grind my way up at the, uh, you know, at ESPN because it's tough. You know, I'm, again, I'm not like this super big name. I did play at Ohio state, but mm -hmm. I didn't play quarterback, you know, and, and, yeah. I, and I have this awesome NFL career. So it was a little bit tougher for me to try and climb the ladder. And so over the last, I would say three, four years, you know, I've made some connections with some of the, the higher coordinating producers and, you know, basically just knocking down doors, you know, just, Hey, take a look at this. What do you think? What do sure. you think? What do you think? What do I got to do? What, how, how can I get better? How can I get some more opportunities? And, you know, sometimes the, the squeaky wheel gets the grease and eventually it kind of happened. I mean, he, honestly, even, even Spielman has helped me with, with some of this stuff. We've talked about, he's watched some of my games. Mm -hmm. uh, he's given me critiques because he's obviously done it a lot longer than I have, you know, 20 plus years. So this past season, um, I got an opportunity to do the Division II National Championship on, on ESPNU which was a great, mm -hmm. and then <clears throat> they liked me so much that they gave me a bowl game on radio. So we, I did the Liberty Bowl on ESPN radio. And then of course, coming into this season, I'm thinking, oh man, this is gonna be great. My bosses are really high on me, gonna get these opportunities. And then a pandemic hits. Yeah, <laughs> I know. And so I'm like, I don't know what's gonna happen. You know, I'm, t I'm texting and emailing, is you know, the uncertainty with football is coming back, we don't know. And then literally, gosh, I, I wanna say, probably three weeks before the season, I got a text from my boss at ESPN. He goes, uh, by the way, uh, you're going to be on a package this year with Mike Cousins. I said, what the bleep? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Are you kidding me? And it was sweet. And then, then obviously like five days later, the press release comes out. I didn't even know they were like, I'm on the, I'm in the press release. Finally, I've been trying to do this for <laughs> seven years. Cause this is my eighth year calling games. The first time that I'm actually going to be doing a full package on linear, which means TV, not, not just on ESPN three. So right. Um, it's, it, it, it shows you that pa patience, uh, and, and diligence pays off at times. I mean, I've probably done, gosh, Bruce, 70, 70 something games, right. On, on digital, mm -hmm. right. Where you're getting like, you know, mom, the parents of the players watching the games, basically yeah. that's it. So, so now we're, uh, now we're, I got an ESPN two and ESPN U package this season. Well, and two, I'd add humility to that too, because a lot of guys would lose patience with that and wouldn't stay with it. Uh, you know, diligence right. and humility. And so that speaks well of those qualities in you. Uh, Spiels talks a lot about the mechanics of doing a game and takes us mm -hmm. into the booth and how everybody works together. I'm curious to know, you mentioned that in your prep for games, you call people. It's a little bit of a hybrid of, you talked about the juice it gives you of kind of what you used to get or close to what you used to get as close as you can to playing. But yeah. you've also got like a mix of what I've done my life. You know, it's a little bit of reporting, a little bit of investigating, a little bit of analyzing, you know, from a kind of a, 
uh, print media perspective too when you're preparing for a game. Yeah, you know what's cool is 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 you uh, same as same as me. You know a million people, mm-hmm. right? I mean, I played, so I know ex players, I know scouts, I know you know NFL people, so college coaches, of course, as well. You know, and, and people in the business. I mean, sure. I mean, I may send a text. I mean, may like um, you know see who called the game last week that I'm calling this upcoming uh, week and give them a text or a call, and we may share notes right with with each other, an analyst or something that's doing the game. Uh, I may call an NFL scout and say, "Hey, who should I watch in this game?" Like, like I'm doing next week. I'm doing um, East Carolina and Georgia State. So I may call a buddy and say, "Hey, listen, um, who, who do I need to look for on East Carolina? There's a couple of good players here. Are these guys legit NFL players? Because because then I can add that to the broadcast. Sure, sure. And it adds credibility. You know, when you do do those sort of things. So you're right. It, it is a little le- level of reporting. Um, and, and and again, it keeps you connected with people that you probably you know, w- wouldn't otherwise talk to. Uh, I'm going to let you go here shortly because I know you got another appointment. You're kind enough to join me, but you, I'm sure, have watched as we've all watched, you know, this frustrating uh, push-pull thing with Big Ten football. It's yeah. a relief Ohio State's going to get out there. Uh, your thoughts on what's happened, how we got here, and, uh, you know, what your view is maybe of uh, of college football this season since you're doing games. And then, of course, the Buckeyes. I mean, I, I tend to think – I, I, you know, they always have that argument, the tiger or the field, you know, back when tiger was dominating golf this year, when it comes to college football, I'd take Ohio state Clemson over the field on the national championship. I'll just be shocked if that's not what we end up seeing playing for the title. Yeah. You're probably right about that. I mean, Ohio state has a schedule that's pretty favorable. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'd I'd be shocked if they dropped a game, I I guess Michigan, probably the toughest challenge, maybe Penn state in there as well, but they should be able to run the table. Hopefully. And if they do, they'll be nine and zero, and they'll go play for a college football championship in the playoffs. But in terms of how we got here, I just think it's disappointing that we didn't really have transparency, and that we didn't really like just kind of kick the can down the road a little bit and allow time. You know, if if we did that, we could have just said, "Hey, we're not just we're we're gonna like not start." on time, but we're going to just wait and see what happens here. And obviously this rapid testing has changed the game for the big 10. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the the government gets involved and it, it just got kind of super wacky there for a while. And I'm happy that we're here. I just wish we could have got here uh, a little bit simpler. I think the approach that the SEC took was fantastic. I mean, they put the season back to September 26, which is this weekend. Um, and we're going to start, we're going to have games, you know, and I, again, it has not been perfect, Bruce, you know, I, I've been doing ga- games. I started my, my college season um, a couple of weeks back. I don't have a game this weekend, but I am working next weekend. And just to kind of my first game when I, I did the uh, Tulane South Alabama game, diving into the programs and like seeing how serious these programs are taking this, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. testing and the um, the fact that, you know, like Tulane was uh, putting a curfew on their players. I mean, they were basically in their own bubble. I mean, they, were, they weren't around anybody. Um, and then seeing – you know, a Sunbelt team like South Alabama, uh, I was at, at their brand new stadium that they just opened uh, two weeks ago, and they had 6,000 fans in the stands, and everyone had their masks on. They're doing, like, the, what they're supposed to do. I just – I feel like we, we could have just waited. And, you know, the fact that the Sunbelt's playing – and, again, not everyone's perfect. There's been cancellations every single week. I get all that, but we could have just waited and uh, instead of just kind of kind of canceling the season. Yeah, I agree. Weird. And I'm happy. 
Yeah, me too. Hey, before we go, uh, I am going to give you the opportunity to talk about what Chris and I talk about at the end of the podcast. And, you know, with all your successes in your career athletically and professionally, uh, you like every guy, uh, we all have ups and downs. And I, you and I have had some pretty deep conversations yeah. uh, before about faith. You know, Chris and I talk about faith at the end of the podcast. You don't have to go deep into it. I just wondered if you, I think it's important for people to know because what we try to do on the podcast is reach an audience of men who all want to be better and all acknowledge that we need to be better. But, you know, it's hard to figure it out sometimes. It's hard to find guidance. It's hard to find inspiration. But uh, the important thing, and you and I have talked about this, is it, it, we're none of us are perfect. We're all a work in progress, but thankfully we serve a savior that understands that we're all a work yeah. in progress. And that really gives us a peace and a freedom in our minds. Yeah. Listen, I'm, I'm thankful for Christ every day because, uh, you know, we all fall short and there's no doubt. And I, I would say that I fall short, um, more times than not. And I'm grateful for that. Um, because, uh, without that, what do we have? You know, yeah. it's, you know, listen, I, I was way more, um, passionate and involved with, you know, athletes in action and stuff when I was in college. I, and when I had structure, it was a lot easier to stay more on track. Mm -hmm. As we get older, we become adults, you know, there's more challenges, there's more, you know, temptations and things like that. So I would just say that, uh, you know, at, at the core um, of, of my life, um, it, it is it is Jesus and, and, and he, he's always there. Mm -hmm. Never, never, never leaves you. We know that, but uh, just try to make it more of a center focus. I think that when you, we do that, um, it allows us to obviously um, be better as men and, and as people. Uh, here, look at this guy weighing in on Facebook. Uh, little Anthony Lima. Uh, you're, <laughs> that's an inside joke. A colleague from 92.3 is doing the morning show. He must have dialed this in. Uh, during uh, during a segment, he says, "Ask Dustin about Mel Tucker's influence. Did he set me up there? Is that like a bad story or a good story?" No, Mel Tucker was like a father figure to me. I mean, he was uh, so influential in my career as a player, uh, as a coach. You know, we we uh, he's a man of faith as well. So mm -hmm. obviously, we we kind of had an impact on each other there as as, as well. But uh, no, Mel Mel was we still talk. You know, I'm so proud of what he's doing. Now the head coach at Michigan State, I'm sure he's going to do a fantastic job there. But uh, no, Mel, Mel has been uh, literally like a, like a father to me uh, throughout college and in, in my pro career. Fantastic. Well, listen, bud, I appreciate you joining me. You're really kind to get up this early. Always great hearing great. from you. I hope we get to see each other in person one of these days soon. Uh, continued success on ESPN at 92.3 The Fan and everything you do with, uh, with your kids and your family. Thanks, Bruce. Appreciate you, man. All right, there you go. Dustin Fox joining us uh, from... 92.3, the well, he's not from 92.3, the fan. That's his professional affiliation, but he's uh, he's such a good dude. I mean, one of the best things that uh, I was able to do in Cleveland was get to know Dustin a little bit. Uh, when you're a player at Ohio State, you know, I covered him then, and but uh, the pressing needs of practicing football and stuff like that, and they, they kind of – you get who they bring out. They didn't always bring Dustin out. We always wanted him to bring Dustin out because, as you can tell, he's a – Really articulate guy, really eloquent guy, and a really heartfelt guy. So it's great to have Dustin on the podcast this morning in place of Chris, who's traveling to Cleveland where he has the Redskins. Well, oh, there it is. First Redskins mention. He has the Washington football team and uh, the Cleveland Browns on Sunday. Bengals are uh, in Philly to take on the Eagles. Maybe they'll get their first win. Uh, I said they'd start 2-0. and I thought they'd beat the uh, – almost said it. I almost said the C-H-A-R-G-E-R-S word. The uh, well, they are still the Chargers. 
I almost said the Chargers, and then I thought, I can't say Chargers. No, I can say Chargers. I can't say San Diego Chargers because they're the Los Angeles Chargers. But the Bengals are 0-2. Joe Burrow can't get him hit that much. Um, 22 times in two games. Not acceptable. Bengals got to get the run game going against Philly. If they don't, they have no chance. All right, so the SEC is starting. I heard Greg Sankey this morning on an interview. He said something I thought was interesting. Uh, You know I'm in the leadership realm. You know I love leadership. You know I'm fascinated by it, chagrined by it when it's bad, heartbroken to see it in so many many athletic situations where I see leadership. And it's not malicious. It's really not malicious when leadership goes bad. It's just that, you know, uh, picture it this way. If you are a guy and you got a honeydew list your wife wants you to hang a ceiling fan she wants you to um i don't know uh put a new window in somewhere and you're like well i can't do that because i don't have not the expertise i don't have the tools to do it i don't have a saw to cut a hole in the side of the house i don't have two by fours to shim up you know the um, the wall and keep it from falling in before I get the new window in. I don't have the right stuff to put around the edge of the window so it doesn't leak. You don't have the right tools. You can't perform the honeydew list task. If you don't have the right tools, if you don't know how to go about leadership, you really have no chance to be a good leader. And as it concerns coaches, coaches often have come up through a system where they've dealt with old school coaches. And what have, what are old school coaches typically given to when it comes to leadership? I tell you what to do, you do it. If you don't do it, I yell at you, right? That used to work when we were in a different era and we all had a different view of authority and it kind of an inborn or certainly a social acceptance of authority. Well, now we're in a much different era. We're in an era of challenge authority. We're in an era of nobody can tell me what to do. We're in an era of if it feels good, do it. So coaches can still lead. They just need the right tool. The right tool for coaches now is to encompass their corrective measures with encouragement around it. Hey, I know what you were doing there, you know, didn't work or that's not going to help our team, but here you're really you're still a kid I believe in you're still a player I believe in there's nobody I'd rather have taken that shot there's nobody I'd rather have throwing that pass there's nobody I'd rather have you know attempting that putt than you next time this might help you next time have success that way they, the person knows you're in their corner they know that you support them you know they know you believe in them so those are some of the tools that are out there and uh, I'm really passionate about that if you want to hear more about uh the program that I'm in and how you can become a better coach, how you can become a better parent of a player and foster a good team culture, uh, shoot us an email, Podcast at gmail.com. So I was going to get to the Indians with Dustin, but I thought the other stuff about his career was infinitely more interesting and more interesting to you and to me. The Indians have won four in a row against the Chicago White Sox, who were uh, and are still ahead of them, barely now. In the uh, AL Central standings, there's three games left in a Major League Baseball season. Can't talk baseball when Spiels is on the podcast because he has no interest. He actually has less than no interest. But uh, the Indians, I, will I get interested in baseball? Eh, 
I have zero interest in the NBA for uh, you know the fact that I don't want to be hit over the head with a political message. I really don't watch much NFL either, but for the course of doing my job here, I have to watch Browns and Bengals, uh, and I don't hate it. But I think the NFL is dumb. Some of the stuff they're doing uh, to alienate a portion of their audience, but they are trying to appease everyone, trying to keep everybody happy. They're going to get criticism if they do nothing. They're going to get criticism if they do something. They're going to get criticism if they do anything. Uh, You can't be all things to all people. Roger Goodell's finding that out. I don't know what NFL ratings are doing. I don't think we've had enough of a sample yet to say, eh, people are turned off by this, or yeah, people are all about it, or it's had no impact. But I can tell you this, in the NBA, Some of it, you have to admit, is a factor of we aren't accustomed to NBA basketball and playoff basketball in the summer. That's a different paradigm for us because the NBA typically is concluded by now. But it's pretty remarkable, is it not, that no NBA playoff game yet has had a rating for a single game higher than the ratings for every episode of the Michael Jordan puff piece documentary thing, but interesting. It was still a puff piece on ESPN, Last Dance. Last Dance has outrated every single NBA playoff game. And honestly, before this morning, before I looked to prep for the show, I could not have told you who's left of the NBA playoffs. I care that little about the NBA playoffs because of LeBron and all that other stuff. Which brings me to an email, which uh, we asked the other day. uh, Somebody uh, ripped us in a review about, uh, you know, MAGA this, MAGA that, you know, all that stuff. And I said, I really don't do that in the podcast. Why would people think we do that in the podcast? And John, who's a loyal listener to the show and a faithful emailer and has great insight on what we do and how you guys perceive it, uh, said this. I promise you, I'm reading this verbatim. Hi, guys. Love the show as usual. Always tune in to take my daily walks. The coffee war stories are especially entertaining at the moment. And thanks for sharing my initial strategies with Chris on how to hide the Hunter's Blend K-Cups. Just added Hunter's Blend to our subscription with Hemisphere Coffee. Wanted to add a note to both of you as you were looking for examples of how your show is more right-wing and using talking points from that side as well. I don't necessarily know if you are sharing those talking points in the podcast And I think you are both open to conversation and debate when it comes to more left-wing points. However, Bruce, many folks like myself also follow you on social media platforms like Twitter. And many of your tweets and retweets are very pro-right-wing conservative points. And you are debating many left-wing-sided folks on these social platforms. Absolutely true. I I do not always disagree with your opinions, but those opinions are very biased for President Trump and the right-wing and the Republican Party. Absolutely true. I think many folks then conclude your podcast is biased as well. That's absolutely true. I've listened for many months, and I know the opinions you share on the podcast are more neutral. Good luck with your battles on Twitter. I'll look forward to more podcasts from you guys. Well, we were not very—thank you, John. We were not very down the middle on COVID. We took a big-time negative view of the mask mandates and the silliness, in our opinion, of the COVID precautions and the nonsensical nature of it. We've talked about— uh, 50% capacity in restaurants where you can stand up, walk around without a Well, you can't walk around without a mask, but you can eat without a mask. Obviously, it'd be hard to eat with one. But you can be inside 50%, and then at outside sporting events, you have to be 20% with a mask. We've talked about the illogic of those two positions. 
and many people have done those. That's more often a point um, put out there by conservative people or right wing people or whatever you want to call it. So guilty there. And John is right. I do engage people uh, on uh, talking points. And, uh, you know, I, was, I engaged on the Breonna Taylor thing with people. And what I'm trying to do on Twitter, you know, I'm trying to be faithful to my faith and trying to be uh, gentle. <laughs> you would think, gentle? Fail. I'm trying to be clear. And here's my motto I'm trying to stand for truth. I'm trying to put the truth out there. I'm trying to put facts out there, and here they are. You know, I've tried to put the facts out there in the Breonna Taylor case. Here's the thing with the Breonna Taylor case. Of course it's awful that she was killed in a arrest procedure where her boyfriend fired first at the cops. Of course that's awful. She had, you know, she did not deserve to die in that. Did she make some choices that put her in peril? Yes. Did her her male companion at the time, I don't know if he's a boyfriend or not, uh, male companion at the time in her apartment by firing first at police set in motion a string of events that led to her death. Yes. Is that her fault? No. Does she have some role in that? Yeah, probably because she invited him in and if she knew he had a gun. But again, I'm just trying to get the facts out there. And the fact of the matter is you fire at police, they're going to fire back. <laughs> they are. They're trained to do that. And I can't imagine we'd ever reform police to the point where if they are fired upon by someone else, they don't fire back. You can reform police all you want. There's nothing wrong with police firing to save their lives. And I always say two things can be true at once. Many things can be true at once. Did she deserve that? No. Were the cops guilty of anything? No. And it's unfortunate those two things intersect and end in her death. So those are the points I'm trying to engage on. And so, yeah. You know, I know there's a lot of emotion out there. I try to take the emotion out of it. I try to put the facts into it uh, and get you to understand, well, yeah, this happened and it's awful, but sometimes bad things happen and every event that led to the final event is justifiable. And that's all the the verdict in Louisville was. It's a justifiable shoot. It's not a wonderful shoot and everybody's happy. And No, that's not it. So we got to start listening to each other. we got to start got to stop being prisoner to our feelings. I'm mad she died. I'm mad she died. Everybody should be mad she died. But you can be just mad, mad, just mad, not mad at someone. That's the difference. Uh, I'm sure Purdue fans were mad at Rondale Moore when he opted out of the season. Now they can be happy with him. He's opted back in. The Buckeye killer from two years ago in West Lafayette will indeed play uh, for Purdue this season. And I, I don't know if Ohio State plays him anymore or not. Because, you know, I'm taking them one at a time, maybe two at a time, Nebraska-Penn State. And then after that, I know it is a cavalcade of crapola on the Buckeye schedule. Uh, it is uh, in no particular order. Rutgers, Maryland, uh, Hondros, the Chamberlain College of Nursing, Michigan State, and, uh, you know, the East, West, Chester, North Stars. It's just awful. It's not the Buckeyes' fault the league is awful. The league is awful. It's sort of, It maybe kind of sort of is the Buckeyes' fault the league is awful, but it's like a, a fault in a good way. Like they've just crushed everyone, and no one can keep up with them. They've just demoralized everyone. They've pretty much just stomped out the life of everybody but Penn State in the Big Ten East. Yes, that includes you, Michigan. Sorry about it. Uh, and I am sorry about it because the rivalry stinks. 
But, you know, the only way to get the rivalry to be good is for Michigan to be good, and I don't know that anybody wants that. Um, Baylor has not played a game yet. Houston has not played a game yet, and Houston will not play this week. Their game against North Texas is called off by COVID. Virginia Tech has not played a game yet, but they're going to be playing in the SEC on Saturday, and here are the headline games. Mississippi State at LSU. And you're like, what? What's a crappy schedule, then, if that's the headline game? No, it's the headline game because Mississippi State is coached by Mike Leach now. Did you forget Mike Leach left Washington State? Yes. Mike Leach left Washington State at LSU. Now, here's a problem for LSU this year. They're trying to they're trying to defend their national championship, and I maintain they will not be able to defend their national championship. Not because they lost a ton to the NFL draft. Not because Joe Burrow is with the Bengals. Not because they lost their brilliant offensive mind, Joe Brady, to the Carolina Panthers. No, no. The real reason LSU will not be able to contend this year is imagine yourself as an LSU Tiger player or coach in the booth, and you are trying to communicate with Ed Orgeron while Ed Orgeron is wearing a mask. Huh? What? Can't can't understand you, coach. Ed Orgeron with a low, gravelly, Cajun voice is hard enough to understand without a mask. Can't imagine his players and his assistants will be able to understand him with a mask. Elsewhere in the SEC, Florida with Dan Mullen goes to Mississippi and Lane Kiffin. Watch it, Gators. Watch it. The 23-ranked, huh? Kentucky Wildcats play at Auburn, and Alabama is at Mizzou. So that's what's going on in the SEC. Uh, Here's an interesting uh, thing that I saw on 11 Warriors. I try to give uh, credit where credit is due. Hey, by the way, before I get to the 11 Warriors thing, John's email reminded me with the tip on the coffee wars and the fact that John says he's enjoying stories of the coffee wars. Imagine how much... Hunter's Blend, Carrie Spielman is able to drink without persecution from her husband this weekend while he's in Cleveland and she is alone at home with the K-Cups. Drink up, Carrie. Enjoy yourself. All of you who love Hemisphere Coffee Roasters Coffee know what I'm talking about. And as you see on the crawl, you can get 15% off Hemisphere Coffee Roasters Coffee by using the promo code WETACKLELIFE in all caps. All caps, why? Because Hemisphere Coffee is not just good, it's good in all caps. It's great in all caps. It's phenomenal. It's good light, medium, dark roast. It's good whether you grind the beans, which they will send to you if you order online at HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com or whether they grind the beans themselves and seal them in the bag. My daughters love when I go pick up Hemisphere Coffee because then my car smells like coffee for a couple of days. And I picked up three bags of uh, coffee. Hunter's Blend for my very good best friend, Doug, and uh, had it on a Friday or a Thursday, was going to see Doug at church on Sunday. My daughter, my oldest daughter, in a savvy move, commandeered the coffee and put it in her room for that intervening span of time so her room could smell like Hemisphere Coffee Roasters coffee. And she breathed uh, deeply of the uh, divine uh, air 
in that room enjoying Hemisphere Coffee Roasters coffee. So there's the uh, plug for Hemisphere Coffee Roasters. Now, the blowout numbers that I saw today on 11 Warriors, and they gave credit on their site, uh, which is a classy move, to the person who came up with this. It looked to me like a blogger had never seen the guy. But that, this I thought was interesting as we talk about the crappy Big Ten schedule and Ohio State's dominance of said conference. From 1990 to 2019, so 30 years of Buckeye football largely dominance, how many times has Ohio State won a football game by 35 points or more? 35 points or more. Okay, so you got the get the time frame in your head. 30 years of football going back to 1990, which is about when Coop got it rolling. Uh, they were one tie only in the 93 regular season. 95, 96, 97, 98. Fantastic. Little hiccup. In comes Tress. National Championship year two, always good, urban, straight dominance, seven seasons. Ryan Day grabs a baton, follow me boys, continued success. So that's the era we're talking about. How many times have the Buckeyes in the last 30 years won a game by 35 points or more? Which, according to this standard, 35-point win is a blowout. Now, I mean, a 30-point win can be a blowout, but 35, that's, that's a blowout. I mean, you could say 40, but I think five touchdowns is a blowout. Five touchdowns, more than a touchdown a quarter, yeah, you got blown out. Okay. So you have the guess in your mind? Have you formulated it? 30 years of Buckeye football, how many times they've won a game by 35 points or more? 68 times. 68 times. All right, let's do the math. We presume that would not happen in a bowl game, right? Competitive Balance, it certainly would not happen, although it did happen, in a Big Ten title game. Thank you, Wisconsin. Uh, so by and large, that's regular season. So now we're going like 12-game regular season into 68. That is five years of nothing but crappy regular season football right there. Five games would be 70 games. So 68 times the Buckeyes. Or where do they rank, Bruce? That's what you want to know. Boy, that's a lot of blowouts. Yes, it is. Buckeyes are not number one. They, in fact, are not number two. Nor are they number three, but they are number four with 68 blowouts. They're not, I mean, this is with a an asterisk. Not asterisk, which a lot of people say. It's asterisk. Nebraska will claim the most blowouts of any team in the Big Ten, which is, of course... Not accurate because the Cornhuskers were in the Big 8 and the Big 12 during many of their 77 blowouts. 77 Nebraska wins by 35 points or more. But not lately. <laughs> not lately. Not since Bill Callahan and Mike Riley got their hands on that program. Uh, Oklahoma is second with 74 so that was that conference is really the big two in the little eight with Nebraska and Oklahoma in it. They were winning like every week by 35 until they played each other. And the plucky little Broncos of Boise State dominating in their uh, neck of the woods on the blue turf. 71, 35-point blowouts. Who's the team that's been blown out the most in the last 30 years? Okay, 
Make your guess. Get it in mind. Who is it? I know you're all guessing Rutgers, aren't you? You're all guessing Rutgers. Going, of course it's Rutgers, Bruce. No, it's not Rutgers. It is not Rutgers. Doesn't it stand to reason that if Nebraska and Oklahoma have 77 and 74 blowouts, that it's got to be somebody in the Big 12? I think it makes sense that the Kansas Jayhawks have been beaten by 35 points or more 60 times. Come on down, Kansas Jayhawks. You are the winner on the score is wrong set of prices right. Hey, by the way, if the price is wrong for you on health insurance, there's a radio segue for you. Get with my friend Chrissy and Steve and Julie at auiinfo.com. Are you over your skis right now? You say, wait, no snow out there. How can I be over my skis? No, over your skis is a term used to indicate that you've extended yourself on your expertise a bit beyond your capabilities, like, you know, the honeydew list without the right tools that we talked about earlier in the podcast. If you're over your skis on health insurance, trying to figure out which one applies to you, auiinfo.com is never over its skis when it comes to knowing the doctors, the hospitals, the networks, the benefits you need. For instance, you may say, well, uh, this healthcare plan looks good to me as I'm navigating around um, healthcare.gov. This looks really good to me. The cost is good. The docs in my network are here covered. La 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 copay I can afford. And yet you will find, perhaps only if you go with auiinfo.com, that you are a couple in your 50s. And the reason the large, larger reason why the premiums in that particular health plan are so high is because they really specialize, that particular plan, that particular company, in maternity benefits. Now, maternity benefits are important, but not if you're in your 50s. Not if you're in your 50s. And you may not even know that. But I guarantee you, Chrissy will know that. And that's why, because it costs you zippo, nada, nothing, to go with AUI Info, they are compensated by the companies they put you with, and they got them all. It's not like they're you know out there representing just one or two or three or ten. They're representing them all. And those companies pay AUIinfo.com. So we're right now we're entering the whole open enrollment period. Don't let it go to waste. Don't let the open enrollment period slam shut on your knuckles and you end up paying for something that you don't need or don't want or won't cover you the way you need. Go to AUIinfo.com, AUIinfo. Dot com. I'm excited about watching SEC football. There really hasn't been much great college football on lately. Um, it's just, uh, and it's been hard to get back into it because, like, does it really feel like college football season has started until the Buckeyes start playing? I think not. I think not. We got to have football. You got to have football in your own backyard. You got to have that buzz in the city of Columbus. You got to have the stores empty out. You know, an hour before kickoff because everybody's getting home to their own personal tailgate party, which will be everybody this year because nobody's in the stadium. That'll be weird to see Ohio Stadium. You know, I don't know what they're doing with the band and all that stuff, but it just we got to get football. We got to get the Nebraska game going before it feels like to me college football season in Central Ohio. So we're a couple weeks away from that, but really, 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 really looking forward to it. All right, let's draw our winners in COVID nineteen relief. The bucket has been filling up. We've been uh, getting nominations, which we appreciate, because there for a while people just assumed, oh, I'm never going to win, or oh, I already won. Well, you can win twice. You just can't win twice for the same person. 
We have a lot of people who've won twice because they've nominated multiple people. That is not against the rules here at Spielman and Hooley Central. Why have you not nominated someone you know who could use a $250 check uh, in COVID-19 relief? Get it in. Spielman Hooley Podcast, gmail.com. Spielman Hooley Podcast at gmail.com. Here's our first winner. It is Roxanne. Uh, and Roxanne was nominated by uh, Brock, who you've heard Chris and I talk about before because Brock has emailed the show and talked about losing a lot of weight. And, uh, you know, Brock uh, is a loyal listener. So congratulations, Brock, and congratulations, Roxanne. So uh, Roxanne will get a notification today on email from me and then from Carrie that she's a winner. Uh, this one is a young man by the name of Josh Lanier. Josh Lanier is the winner. He was nominated by... Joel and it looks like Angel. Joel and Angel. Well, yes, indeed, you are an angel. You nominated Josh, and he's appreciative of that. Our third name is Casey. Casey nominated by Matt. You say, why don't you give the full name? Well, because, you know, I'm not trying to embarrass anybody. And, like, for instance, if you are in a position where you win and I give your name, people will go, oh, I know them. What? Why, why are they in need? None of your beeswax. And if you know the person who nominated them, you might say, well, they didn't nominate me. They must not like me. So that's why the anonymity. Now we go to our final name. Dun, da, da, da. It is Clayton. Clayton is our final winner. So there you go. Four more winners. And we will be reaching out on email today. We will get in touch with you. We will make uh, for arrangements for an electronic transfer of the money. So you'll have it toot sweet. And we appreciate you all nominating people and listening to the podcast and uh, responding to us uh, in such a kind way. Uh, Rick weighs in on Facebook. He says, wait, Bruce, you thought the Bengals would beat the Browns? Yes, Rick, I did. Because I've been a Browns fan all my life. I used to joke on the radio in Cleveland that... People would call in, you know, at some particular uh, point in Brown's dysfunction, the ever-spinning clock of Brown's dysfunction. You know, they'd fire a coach. Rob Chudzinski, Mike Pettin, both got the axe. Pat Shermer, all got the axe in the five years that I was at ESPN Cleveland. Uh, let's see who else got fired while I was there. Uh, Tom Heckert. Um, Sa no, Sashi, Sashi Brown, uh, Joe Banner, Mike Lombardi. So we were always talking Brown's dysfunction. They sold the team while I was there. So we were always talking about this. And, and you know, it got to the point where people would call a show in the afternoon and every call would start. Hi, Bruce. I've been a Browns fan all my life. And then they'd go into, I was there when Elway drove him 98 yards. I was there when Belichick cut Bernie. I was there when Dwayne Rudd threw his helmet. I was there when Bottlegate happened. I was there, blah, 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 blah. They give me the litany of their Browns frustration. And I grew to view callers to the show saying, Hi, ah, Bruce. I've been a Browns fan all my life. Now, I'm going to make an analogy here, and don't freak out because I'm being unsympathetic to this plight. But it got to sound like an AA meeting. People stand up, hey, my name is Bill, and I'm an alcoholic. Hi, Bill. That's what it was like. Hi, Bruce. I've been a Browns fan all my life. So, Rick, I've been a Browns fan all my life. That's why I picked 
the Browns to lose on Thursday night football to the Cincinnati Bengals because stuck up there in my frame of reference is the Ravens blocking a field goal on the final play and taking it back for a game-winning touchdown. So I got a lot of that up there, and that's why I expected the Bengals to win that game because when I expect the Browns to win, they don't, and I'm hurt. And when I expect them to lose and they win, I'm pleasantly surprised. But if they lose, I'm not surprised. So I prepare myself for the inevitable. If you would like to prepare yourself for the inevitable in your life, a legal situation, my man Stan... Kelly, all the great partners at Willis Spangler Starling are ready, willing, able to talk with you. They can handle any legal issue of any variety. They'll do it with the utmost integrity, character, and expertise. Willis Spangler Starling is my law firm. I'm going there today on a little matter to make sure that I'm protecting myself legally and down the road. It's worth it to me to invest a little money up front to avoid a big jackpot or eliminate a big jackpot possibility down the road. I would advise you to do the same on any matter involving any contract, workers' compensation issue, personal injury issue, wills and estate planning. Trust me on this, having lost both my parents in the last three years, I'm so glad that we availed ourselves of legal expertise to make sure that we were doing everything according to Hoyle on probate and wills and estates because, man, brother, when you get into a jackpot there, it drags on forever, and you will get an attorney involved then, and the bills will skyrocket, not because they don't earn their money, but because it's complex. So why would you not take care of that ahead of time, which you can do by going to willisattorneys.com, willisattorneys.com. They've redesigned their website. It's very informative with blogs and Lots of need-to-know information. Willis Spangler Starling. WillisSpanglerStarling.com. No, that's not it. It's WillisAttorneys.com. WillisAttorneys.com. I was thinking in my brain as I gave you that um, web address, WillisAttorneys.com, I was trying to multitask in my brain and go to what am I going to talk about in the faith portion. So I mentioned, and yes, this is the faith portion of the podcast, So I mentioned on Wednesday that a friend of mine uh, and his wife lost their daughter. So I attended the memorial service last night. And true confession, I did not know their daughter. Their daughter uh, was born with a condition that confined her to a wheelchair her entire life. Uh, We started going to this church about the time that her condition required her to be uh, in a care facility. So I did not know her until last night. And I say, wait a minute, you just said it's her memorial service. Didn't she pass away? Yes, she did. I reflected upon a phenomenon I have uh, made note of before in my life, that I have been blessed to get to know a couple people who are parents, children of friends of mine on the day that we said goodbye to them in this earthly life. That is a phenomenon unique to the Christian faith in that now that I know her from what people said about her, I will know her when I meet her in heaven. 
Now, I don't know exactly how heaven works. I would not pretend to know that. But I do know that my life is enriched today and going forward by the inspiration I gained last night, hearing about the dignity, courage, cheerfulness that she handled her health challenges with throughout her life. It was so interesting to hear people who loved her talk about her spunkiness, her friendliness, her ability to multitask, her gift as a leader in that she was the cruise director on game night and this, that, and the other, and how easily she made friends and the great dignity with which she handled challenges that I can only imagine I would complain about endlessly. She didn't complain. She never complained. Her dad's a remarkable guy. Her mom's a remarkable woman. I pray for their healing emotionally. They will never, quote-unquote, get over her loss because they have loved her so perfectly and so sacrificially that it inspires me to be extremely thankful to God that uh, my daughters have not been asked to walk the path that uh, this young lady had to figuratively walk, because literally she could not walk. But the peace that she had and the determination that she had to make an impact after she's gone really struck me. The pastor last night, who I know, who is a dear friend from our church, gave a very, very, very eloquent message. And he did something I've never heard done before. The, the typical, if you're a Christian, you know the typical funeral memorial service passage is Psalm 23. Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leadeth me beside the still waters. You know, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. A rod and thy staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. My cup is overflowing. It's an encouraging passage. It's comforted many people over the years. My pastor paired it with the preceding psalm, Psalm 22. Psalm 22 is not of that same tone. Psalm 22 is a, is a psalm of pain, anxiety. It essentially is a foreshadowing, a thousand years before it happened, of Christ's death on the cross. It starts with, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus said that on the cross when he died for my sins and yours. And Pastor Rob did a phenomenal job of linking the desperation of our life here, the pain we go through, the disappointments we have, like losing a child, to the certainty of the hope we have in Christ. Hope and hope is a word in our culture that we have identified as an if. You know, I hope I get. Um, you know, I hope I hit the lottery. <laughs> I hope I uh, am not late for supper. I hope you don't know if you're going to be or not. You're hoping. It's a, it's an if. Hope in the Christian faith is different. Hope is a certainty, a certainty of things to come. Our hope 
is in Christ. Not because we hope that, at the end, I sure hope I'm good enough to get in. No, we know we are going to be welcomed into heaven because of what Jesus already did at the cross. And that is the message that this very dear young lady, taken too soon from this life, when her body just wore out from all the limitations on it, that is the message she wanted to share with people she knew would be coming to her memorial service from other places within her family, cousins, aunts, uncles, nieces, nephews, because she had concern that they had not done what she had done, which is settle her eternal destination by accepting Christ as her Savior. She insisted to Pastor Rob, that he preach an evangelical outreach message, inviting them to give their burdens to Jesus, to claim the certainty of his life eternal because of what he did, not because of what we do, and allow ourselves to be changed because we are so loved that he died for us. I've said this before, I quote the late Adrian Rogers. It's something I heard on the radio many years ago. I've never forgotten it because it is so absolutely true. God does not change us so that he can love us. (laughs) He loves us so that he can change us. Not so we'll stay lovable He loves us so he can change us, and it's kind of a circle. Okay, so he loves us so he can change us, then why does he, if he loves us, why does he need to change us? Because he loves us so much, he does not want us to stay where we are in our sin, obsessing about things we obsess about, caring about things that are empty, caring about things that don't bring us pleasure. The other day, I noted on Twitter, somebody was you know, look, they look at these kids protesting. You know, you see these kids protesting. You see uh, and just anything out there, like the death of uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who had a, an enormous impact in life. I don't share her judicial philosophy because, you know, I can't imagine a person with a logical mind like she obviously had. I can't imagine anybody being pro-choice and sanctioning the killing of innocent unborn children. But Ruth Bader Ginsburg, you know, made an impact on many, many people. And so when she passed, there was... There was uh, literally, you know, gnashing of teeth and this screaming and, you know, because people were just so upset. That's fine to be upset that she died and, you know, mourn her loss. But, you know, to indicate like you have no hope in the world anymore. I saw one person on online yesterday said, you know, I joined a satanic temple when she died because like life is lost. I'm like, well, you're putting your faith in the wrong person there. You're putting your faith in Ruth Bader Ginsburg and the darkness in our society rather than. Jesus Christ. But but why do celebrities commit suicide? Why do kids who come from affluent families, why are they all into like rioting, crashing, burning? And it's not that they are crusaders for social justice. It's that they found the pleasure of life empty. They have. They found the pleasure of life empty. Marilyn Monroe, Kurt Cobain, Amy Winehouse, Whitney Houston, Michael Jackson, all, you know, how many celebrities are miserable? How many rich people do you know that are miserable? You'd be like, man, if I had what he had, yeah, maybe not. Because you might find out, too, if you don't have Christ in your life, 
that the pleasures of life are fleeting and empty. Solomon, the wisest man ever. Go read Solomon and all the horses and chariots and palaces and gold and everything he had. And what did he say? Life is, is meaningless. It's a chasing your tail. He had all the wives, all the women, all the this, all the that. He had wisdom. But he lost his relationship. He allowed his relationship to be compromised by his chasing of earthly pleasures. And he found out they were empty. They were empty. And that's why people do what they do, overreact to situations. They don't have that rock-solid faith that this young lady whose memorial service I attended last night had. That is why God loves you so that he can change you, because he wants to spare you of that. He wants your priority to be him, because that is where true meaning lies. So that is uh, the faith portion of the podcast today. I am impacted, and uh, greatly so. Uh, by her witness. I don't give her name because I just, uh, I didn't clear it with her uh, dad and mom. And I want to be disrespectful. I want to be respectful um, because I just would never want to do anything to hurt that family. They are, they are really hurting because they lost her. And I understand why when I hear more about her life and about um, what a great impact she made on so many people including me, and I never met her until she was gone, but I can't wait to meet her in the next life. Uh, Everybody have a great day. Have a great weekend. Chris will be back on Monday. We'll be talking about the Browns and the Washington football team, that much closer to the start of real college football season, which includes the Buckeyes. And maybe I'll have some news for you in the career realm Monday. Maybe. Talk to you then. Have a great day.